it matters to us, and I, I have shared this before, and I, and I feel that this is a word that, that um, I got when I came um, last August to interview the first time. I felt like I got this word, and I just didn't understand it. I didn't quite get it. Why, okay, well, all right, Lord. And um, I'm going to share it real quick here in ESV, um, and, um, but it's uh, 1 Colossians um, 9 and 10, and it says, And so from the day we, um, we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, um, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Um, you know, I, I, I kept reading this, and it's like, oh, that's, that's, it's great. And it didn't really make sense until I had heard that uh, Pastor Mike um, would, would preach out of the message. And I've told you this before, I, um, I went to the message on this, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to check it out because this is where we're at. And, and I looked at it, and it talked about making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. And I thought that was very fitting because of where we live. And um, I, I really feel like that is a word for our church. It is a, um, it's something that we may not fully understand it now for what it means. Why, why is this a word for us as a church? Um, but I think in the future we will. And um, we're going to go through Colossians um, here after we're done with this series. Um, and I, I, I think we'll delve into it a little deeper. This might, might be where some of our, that, that vision, that, that preferred future comes out of. Um, but I just wanted to share it this morning because I was standing in the back and I was, and I was um, standing there as we were worshiping and as we were, uh, as you guys were praising God. And, and, and as a worship leader, um, I've had a lot of years standing up here and getting to, to glimpse uh, the people of God um, worshiping and, and such a privilege to do so. Um, but as a worshiper, I also love to stand in the back and just be quiet and listen to the body worship, and this morning I was I was just touched that that the the thing that I've seen in this scripture that really stands out to me is is the whole idea of fallow fields. Um, you know, fallow fields. Um, how how um, farmers and orchardists is that a word um, will leave uh, a certain part of the property fallow for a certain amount of time, um, and and that that fallowness allows for nutrients to get back into the soil, for, for it, it to become fruitful again. And I, I just felt that God was pressing on my heart that there is a fruitfulness in the midst of this, this people right here. There is a fruitfulness in our family, in our community. And there's a fruitfulness in our community at large. I'm seeing a, a fruitfulness in, in pastors that I've been meeting, in other churches in our community that that matters to us, and it's exciting to see um, and to, to grab a hold of that and say, God, you promised that if we're faithful, 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 we will see fruitfulness, and you guys have been so faithful, and I just thank you for that. Well, this morning, um, if you would uh, take out your Bibles, we're going we're gonna, to um, start out in, um, in Luke uh, chapter 5. This morning, we're continuing our series, um, I Have Decided the Art of Following Jesus. Um, there is a, a bit of an art to it, isn't there? In, in how we follow Jesus, it, it's, it's, less of a, um, it's less engineering and more creative. It's less math and more finger painting, is it not? 
I'm getting a few nods, a couple blank looks. Um, but this week, um, I think we're going to endeavor um, to be a little more direct in the sermon, but the, um, the title this morning is Drop the Nets and Burn the Ships. Drop the nets and burn the ships. Our big idea, the thing that if you come away from this with one thing and maybe take a nap for the rest of the time, that's okay. Um, I, 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 won't, I won't feel bad about this. But, but um, if you come away with one thing, it's the art of following Jesus. Take sacrifice and surrender. Sacrifice and surrender. Well, why don't we start out our, our, um, this message with just praying for God's revelation in our lives. Heavenly Father, we just thank you t- uh, today for your word. We thank you that we can dig into your word and we can, we can find out more about you. We can find out more about our community, find out more about um, what you're calling us to, God. And uh, we, we praise you for that today. Uh, pray that you unpack this word in our hearts. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So I said we're in Luke chapter 5. We're just going to start um, in the first verse there, and I'm going to start reading through here. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, (laughs) I love Jesus, it's like they're out of their boats, they're washing their nets, and Jesus just gets in their boat. (laughs) Uh, But the, the one was Simon's, Simon Peter. Um, He asked him, put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So I I had one of those aha moments with Scripture this last week. You ever had one of those moments where where you read something, you've read it before, and then you suddenly go, whoa, what just happened? I mean, your mind's blown by something. Um, The Holy Spirit reveals something to you. And I I, I had that this this week in looking at this, um, this Scripture because I found that Jesus had met the disciples three times. Three times, right? There was a, um, this is a, at this point in, in scripture, um, I, I don't think I caught this before that they met these three times. The, in the first part of John, we see Jesus meets most of the disciples in Jerusalem. Now, we don't really see if, if he called them at this point, but it was in Jerusalem, right? Um, and then, um, Following that, um, th- this was their first experience, but following that in Matthew and Mark, we see that the call um, that we were most familiar with was by the Sea of Galilee, and they, um, they're, they're, they're doing the same thing. They're fishing, um, and Jesus comes and says, hey, come with me. I'll make you fishers of men. You suddenly start thinking of all these movies that, of Jesus where, you know, uh, depending on, on who it was that you really loved seeing in this role and um, you can kind of almost picture that, right? You, you know, come and I'll make you fishers of men. Um, and that's what I, you always picture when you think of the call on the disciples. But yet, Jesus, um, he had called them and they, and they followed for a short time. But then they returned to what they knew. Um, and, and that's what this, this section of Luke is showing us is that, you know, they... they, they followed him for a little while, but they went back to fishing. And isn't that something we always do with Jesus? Jesus kind of calls us stuff, and then we kind of go back to our stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. We may be called to a, a different profession. So, so, you know, it's not necessarily that we're called to that profession of disciple. Uh, but Jesus calls us to certain things. Each of us have a calling on our life. And... Um, you know, in those professions that we are called to, into those places that we're called to. Even retirement might be a calling on your life to go and fish for people. 
Okay? Now, the disciples dropped everything, and they followed Jesus um, to something different. But here we find them at another lake of Gennesaret. Um, so you got Jerusalem, Galilee, and Gennesaret. And I never caught that before. I mean, I read it separately, but I made this connection this week that was like, wow. Um, and it was mostly digging into finding out what Gennesaret meant. I was like, wait a second. They were at the Sea of Galilee, Gennesaret. Okay, Garden of Riches is what it means. And again, they're returning to, to fishing. Um, and it's, it's an interesting name of Garden of Riches because um, they were about to get an object lesson on the riches of the kingdom of God. These men were not chosen as apostles for their astute grasp of deep spiritual truths and theology, were they? Um, they, were, they were not, they were not um, grabbed out of wherever they were for their, their um, divine lineage. They didn't have this lineage or it wasn't about who they knew or, or what they knew. It was really about the fact that they were men chosen because they were real. They had real issues. They had real emotional problems. They, had, they, they dealt with some of the things that we deal with. I, I bet without having it named, I bet they had depression. I bet they had you know, uh, health issues that they had to deal with. Probably a lot of feet issues, I'm imagining. Um, even if they weren't bad problems, they were probably nappy feet. Um, but they were, they were chosen because they were real and they would respond much like we would respond. I think if we were in their situation, we would probably respond very similar to one of those disciples. There's somebody in, in that disciple group that all of us identify with. Uh, maybe not the 12, maybe the, maybe the 120. There's somebody in there that we identify with. Um, I have a tendency to identify with um, the guy with foot and mouth disease, uh, Peter. Um, but... Our first point this morning kind of relates to this. It, um, our first point is calling is a process, not just a rare occurrence. Calling is a process, not just a rare occurrence. Jesus, in calling his disciples, shows us that calling is not one time. I mean, every time Jesus and Peter had a conversation, um, it, it, it seemed like Jesus was extending this calling in his life Every single time. I mean, when he restored Peter, he, um, he said, you know, Peter, do you love me? Do you agape me? And, and when he, he restored Peter, it was, a, it was almost a confirmation of that calling on his life. Once again. Jesus is at work in us bringing um, our calling to light because he is patient. He will call Again, and again, and again, and again. Jesus is looking for us to surrender to that call. This is the most difficult part of following Jesus. Surrendering our lives to his call. This is, this is so difficult. Understand, we are, we are a selfish people. I know I'm, I'm tattling on us, but we are a selfish people. We, we think um, that we know better. We think that from our experience that we have what, what makes us qualified, more qualified than Jesus, in directing our own lives. 
You guys feeling that this morning? A little bit of a sting? I mean, I'm feeling it. Um, Our lives dedicated to Jesus are lives that are submitted to the Holy Spirit's leading and empowerment. There will be evidence in our lives. There will be fruit. There will be proof, not only in how we follow the Holy Spirit and how we follow Jesus, but also how we follow in this world. There, There are examples in Scripture talking about how we follow our earthly leaders. You know, you've got Scripture that talks about um, talks to slaves, um, which were kind of like, you know, we get a different picture of slaves than maybe that time period, but, but there's a sense of slaves, um, how they should respond to their masters. Masters, how they should respond to their slaves. Um, and sometimes, you know, if you're what they call a wage slave, um, you might understand that feeling, right? But there's a sense of how we follow our leaders in this world matters. Peter exhibits where he lacks in how he he pushes back on Jesus in this bit of scripture. In Luke 5, 4 through 7, he says, it says, And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And then, and and when he had done this, they, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and uh, they come and and, and filled both the boats um, so that they began to sink. Peter started to push his resume and his experience on Jesus. He's like, you know, Jesus, I I understand that you may have, you know, you may have fished um, recreationally, but this is my profession, And, and we've already spent all night trying to fish for fish, and we've got nothing. And you're saying just to throw out our nets in this deep spot over here? We've been through there before. We've got nothing. I mean, Jesus, if you you wanted to talk to us, I mean, you're you're a carpenter after all. I mean, but if you wanted to talk about about building a house or maybe putting together a a, a fence or or a table, think about it. Would would that be just just a random thought here? Would it be weird if they, they like, totally found a... um, a table and they turn it over, made by Jesus, the carpenter. That would be like awesome. I mean, it'd probably be a really low table, but um, no chairs. Um, sorry, random. Um, but, but Peter pushed back on Jesus and when Jesus told him to go deeper. He pushed back because of his experience. Because of our selfishness, we do that. And our, our first response sometimes is that, isn't it? When Jesus directs us to do something, maybe to, to speak, speak the gospel to somebody that we don't even know. Jesus, are you sure? You know, I, I work at this place, and, and I don't know what will happen. I might lose my job. I mean, this, this guy might not even, he, he might just freak out and just start running out of the place like with his hair on fire, right? Those are the thoughts that go through our mind, but possibly um, we have this experience and we've, We've tried it before and we failed. Maybe we think because we've failed before that we can't do it again. Um, you know, we've tried that before. It's not going to happen. Uh-uh. But we see Peter eventually follows Jesus. It's like almost in the same sentence. He goes right into the, well, okay, well, you, you put it as, okay, okay, yeah. And when we follow, when he followed, he found this miraculous result. And it, all it did was it highlighted his selfishness. 
how do we know that this is uh, this what this following looks like? How, how do we know what this following looks like? When, when Jesus calls, when the, when the Holy Spirit prompts us, or we are led by our circumstances, led by leaders in our life, or even if we just see a need in somebody's life and we respond to it, our following should have an ease and, and not cause us a frustration. Now, now, I'm not saying like when, when we look at, at following somebody and we get frustrated at them because they've asked us to do something. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about even if that kind of thing happens, when we just follow, there should be an ease to it because what we've done is we've submitted our life, right? So when Jesus asks us to do something, we're not like irritated first and then respond. We respond. We will be empowered and not rejected. We will be strengthened and not weakened. You see, when, when Jesus calls us, our second point, his calling teaches and leads us deeper. Teaches and leads us deeper. Calling is risky. Following Jesus is risky. I'm sorry to tell you, but if you're in this room and you think it's not, I'm opening your eyes to the truth. This is what the gospel is all about. It is risky to follow Jesus, but yet it is so awesome because there is the miraculous that comes along with following Jesus. We get the chance to observe the miraculous. In our lives, yes, but most likely we're going to see miraculous in others' lives first. And we are submitted to see that, are we not? We see that Peter realizes how he was responding. And this is the thing I love about Peter. Peter and, and David have a similar heart. When, when they, they see something they did wrong, they respond instantly and quickly, and they respond fully. And this is what Peter does. And in Luke 5, 8 through 10, he says, when, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Did he say that because there was a whole bunch of fish? No, he said that because he didn't follow right off the bat. You know, we, we tell Zoe, uh, we, we say when, when we want her to, um, to do something, we ask her to do something and her, maybe her attitude gets a little stinky. We say, you know, first time, all the way with a happy heart. First time, all the way with a happy heart. And that's what Jesus says to us, is first time. That's what I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get to that first time all the way with a happy heart. Um, but in, uh, it says, depart, me, depart from me, O Lord. Okay, so uh, from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish um, that, were t um, that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee. Um, you know, the sons of thunder, these are the guys called the sons of thunder. I've always wondered, did they come up with that name for themselves? The sons of thunder. You know what I mean? Or was Jesus giving them a hard time, maybe? Maybe they were pretty talkative, and maybe it was like, yeah, that's the sons of thunder over there. Um, maybe other reasons, and we don't want to know those. Okay. Um, but, but reading on, you see that these are these partners that were in the other boat. Um, and they came at, the other boat that came out, and, and Jesus said to, uh, to Simon, do not be afraid, for from now on you will be catching men. Um, there, there was a sermon illustration that 
Um, although I, I, I do like it for some things, um, and I've heard it a number of times, I've even used it, um, I'm finding that I, I'm not necessarily agreeing with it how it's used. Um, and you, you may have heard this before, it's the story of Hernando Cortez. Anybody heard the Cortez? You know, um, Cortez brought 600 men to Mexico, and I don't know if that's an exact number, but about 600 men, and to ensure the success of, uh, and their focus on establishing a colony, Cortez had all of the ships burned so that they would have no choice but to succeed. And this is, this is one of those, um, those sermon illustrations that's used to talk about the Christian life. Um, this, there is a sense that in our following Jesus, we must burn the ships of our old life so that we can follow after Jesus with all of our hearts. And I believe there is something there yet, I wonder. I wonder, if, if Jesus called Peter um, and the gang, you know, Peter and his little gang here, these grubby guys that went around for three years with him, if he called them to burn the ships, would the gospel that we know look any different? Would it have looked a lot different if they, there was that, that burning of the ships, burning of their old lives? Would the decisions that the disciples made uh, um, looked much different? A good friend of mine years ago, he was a, a youth pastor, and I was a, a worship leader. This is, this is where I was learning how to lead worship. And for about, the, when I first was leading there, for about six months, I did the same um, six or seven songs. <laughs> God bless those youth. Um, they're, they're now in their 30s today. And, um, but but I, I think about those days and, and how much I grew, but, but also how much uh, my friend grew. We grew together in leadership. And um, you know, he was a bit ahead of me, so I was, I was following him, but, but he had this one time, he's driving around in a car with a couple of youth kids, and, and they're looking through his folder of CDs. Remember those? I mean, I know we now have, like, little devices, and we can go through thousands of songs, but, but he had this huge file of, of CDs, and they're going through these, and they're going, man, you've got a lot of, a lot of like, secular songs or um, non-church songs in here, lot, lots of different bands that we you're saying we shouldn't really be listening to. And he's like, you know, you're right. We should probably get rid of those. And so they just start chucking these CDs out the window as they're driving through town. This is the youth pastor. Um, probably not the wisest choice, <laughs> uh, mind you, but, but they were excited because they were like cutting stuff out of their lives. And, you know, it's like they're, they're getting a chance to do this um, to their youth pastor. Oh, we're getting rid of all these songs. And, um, and he, he told me later, later that he threw out probably close to about 100 CDs. So that was a little bit of littering. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but, I, you know, I, I'm about thinning, and I, I know that we've, we've, we've experienced some thinning lately, but, but when it comes to our lives with Jesus, I, I, I understand that there's some thinning that goes on in our lives. We're going to learn some things to thin away, some things that, that need to be stripped away. Um, and if that happens to be secular music or popular music or, or po- perhaps... Um, um, I mean, we need to throw that out, right? We, we need to maybe remove that, or maybe if it's something that causes us or somebody else to stumble, we, we move that to the side. Um, if maybe it's somebody that, that influences us in our life in the wrong way, um, we may need to remove that influence, even if that is somebody that we're related to. That's a hard one to hear. But if they're a bad influence in our lives, we, we get to a place where we have to remove that influence. I'm not saying remove that person from our life, but there's an influence that we, we end up going through removing. Um, you find that your language changes. You know, 
So how, how many people might, I'm not going to ask for raising of hands, but maybe, maybe there's a few of us in here that um, people we knew um, when we grew up may have called us, um, like said that we had a mouth like a sailor or a trucker. I don't know why we're picking on sailors and truckers, but, but there's that tendency where there's, the, there's a changing of the language that we have. Um, all of these things are good. But I think that, um, however, if, if, if we are compelled to leave everything and everyone behind, if we are compelled to do this, I think we're, uh, there's, there's a struggle in me with this. Are we going to be more concerned with, with how people in this world are living without Jesus? Or are we going to be more concerned with the sacrifice that we made in our life? Which is going to become more important to us? Hosea 6.6 6 says it is, it, 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 it says it very bluntly. It says, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. Ooh, that kind of hits, right? Love first. Love foremost. Sacrifice, don't even say second. Psalm 51, 17 says, the sacrifice, sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. This is where I would distance myself from the Cortez mob. Jesus did not ask the disciples to burn the ships because he wanted them to retain who they were in the process of answering the call on their lives. Jesus was leaving that ever-important quality of free will intact in his disciples because in our free will, God is glorified in our choosing him. I say that again. Because in our free will, God is glorified in our choosing him. When we follow Jesus, our lives are, are transformed. And we, we see this ex exhibited in our lives and in the lives and stories of the disciples. In, in their discovery of the calling of God, they, they did eventually lay everything aside, much like Cortez's burning of ships. Yet it was more likely or more like they chose to burn the ships on their own as part of the calling on their lives rather than being forced. Does that make sense? Cortez forced those 600 men to stay and be successful. Jesus did not force 12 men to change the world by laying their will down. They laid their will down, and because of that, those 12 men changed the world. Cortez did change the world. The world as we know it today is different because of Cortez in some respects. You can, you can find a lot of lineage. You can find a lot, of, uh, a lot to that because of Cortez's work in, in the Americas. But, but Jesus had such a bigger impact by leaving that free will intact. Number three, um, as, as uh, these disciples would, would go on to engage the world around them even though they had nothing, Number three, calling takes our scarcity and transforms it into abundance. He took the, the scarcity of these fishermen and turned it into abundance that they didn't expect. And I'm not talking about the fish. 
had Peter taken his free will and not chosen to follow Jesus like he did after this, would there have been the same impact that Peter had at Pentecost? No, I don't think so. This last, last time these disciples lay their stuff aside, um, their own efforts, their, their own stuff, their, their, their own pride, and took up everything that is Jesus. Luke 5, um, the last verse in this, and we'll, and we'll finish here, here shortly, um, uh, 5.11, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. In this instance, the disciples again left everything behind. This time, they left behind a huge amount of fish. Now, somebody probably benefited from that, I'm sure. Um, Nothing goes to waste in the kingdom, right? But I think they left everything, including those fish, aside. They brought the boats back, luckily. I mean, Peter has a problem jumping out of boats. Um, But they brought them back, and they left them. And um, this time, they took up uh, following Jesus, and they followed him. Uh, for the next few years, um, learning from Jesus, learning about Jesus, but laying everything they had aside and seeking after being fishers of men. And I guess the difference between Cortez and Jesus is that it's not, not in the level of commitment. Rather, as I said before, it's in who is burning the ships. Because God gets the glory when we burn our own ships. Cortez burned the ships because he didn't trust his men. He didn't trust that they would focus on the job at hand. He didn't trust that they would be successful. The only way he could trust that is if they had no way to go back at all. Whereas Jesus trusts that as he calls and we respond and we start to on the path of following, we will eventually get to the place where we burn our ship. And all on our own, we surrender to what a life with Jesus will truly mean. Surrender, not just sacrifice, fundamentally changes our story. It it impacts our community and will challenge us to go out into deeper waters as Jesus leads us to become fishers of people. Why don't we lay our stuff aside this morning? Um, There's something about surrender that matters so much in the life of a Christian, in the life of a Jesus follower. When we surrender, it's less about, I mean, it's even less about how we look or how others look, right? It's less about, um, about fear. It's less about our hang-ups. Because how many believe that we have some hang-ups in this world? I think the older we get, I think we get more hang-ups. Because we don't like change. I don't like change. I'm right there with you. I, I, we've moved all over following Jesus. And, I, and I'll tell you what, every time it's like, God, why are we changing again? So then I repent, pull a Peter, fall down at his feet. At his feet. And we just respond. We jump. We, we jump at the chance to see what he's going to do, not just through us, but in us. I'm 
on this journey too. I, I'm walking through this. I'm walking through things that I've carried with me. You, when you move and you take a U-Haul, a lot of times there's a good percentage of that stuff you're just kind of carting with you from one place to another. And it's not really something you need, right? That's, that's our Christian walk. There are things that we cart with us that we just need to cut the tie when it's our time, when Jesus reveals it to us over and over again, we finally make that choice and we say, God, I'm not going to carry this anymore. This hurt I had with a family member, I'm not going to carry it. This, this hurt I had uh, because somebody um, that led me, led me wrong, which is funny because leadership in itself isn't that wrong thing. It's how we take it. We can have issues with our president. We can love him or hate him. But ultimately, God places them in place, doesn't he? And ultimately, we're to pray for them because God placed them there. And ultimately, it's for his glory, not for theirs. And when you get to that place where you're like, I surrender our president to you, God. Whatever they say, whatever they do, he's your man. And I'm going to pray for them to be blessed and for our country to be blessed because you're blessing that president. So whatever side of aisle we're on, it doesn't matter. But I want to just take a moment, and I, I, you know, right where you're at, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes, and, and I just want to give an opportunity. Um, first, for those that may, uh, this may be 